0: Raised up from under my hood and he shook his head and said, This ain't good. Timing belt's done shrunk, one size too small. Those no spark plug wires are a little too long, and your main frog spawner's nearly gone. Your injector ports are stripped, and that ain't all. The torque converter's running low on the torque, and that water pump's nearly down a quart. We caught it all in time, so you're in luck said, I've got the time and I've got the parts. Just give me the word and I'm ready to start. I think we can bring her in for 800 bucks. And this is Dan Watson sitting in tonight for Jay Zimbauer with this edition of Car Time Radio. Great to be back in here and answering some questions. But as always, I lead in with telling you that I am a certified lubrication specialist, not an ASE certified auto mechanic. So if you have those auto mechanic questions, those detailed, sometimes baffling questions about this widget that won't fit into that widget, and they just won't go roundy round like they're supposed to, then save those for the master himself, the professor of automotive technology, Jay Zimbauer. He'll be back next week, and he can answer all those questions. Now, generally, on the nights that I'm here, I will have people call in and ask some questions about lubricants for their car, or things that they are not sure they understand. And I try to bring you some a uh, little bit of education on lubricants and what you need to look out so that uh, you're not going to come up short on that automobile or truck, motorcycle, boat, lawnmower, whatever you've got that you're worried about. Uh, we want to make sure you get the right lubricant in the right place. Many times today, uh, consumers are at a disadvantage because the market moves rather quickly, and uh, oil that you used 20 years ago just isn't the proper oil to use in a car made in 2016. I remember, uh, yes, I do remember in the 1960s, that's quite a while back, but most cars had 40-weight oil. And they were just getting around to some dropping to 30-weight oils, And there was many people that would believe they should run 50-weight oil in their cars. Well, today, if you look in the marketplace, you're going to find that of new cars, brand-new cars, at least half now are using either a 0W20 or a 5W20. And the remainder are typically using 530, 0W30, those type oils. Now, that's, that's moving ever gently towards thinner oil. And you might ask, why? Why do you, if if 50 weight provides such good protection on those earlier model cars, why do we move to these thinner weight oils? And the reason is really all wrapped in around uh, performance, fuel economy, and EPA standards for emissions. So oil has had to change significantly over the last 50 years. And there was an old commercial on for years with one of the manufacturers of filters that would say, pay me now or pay me later. Well, when it comes to oil, I can guarantee you it's pay me now or pay me later because if you use a substandard oil in your automobile, your truck, motorcycle, whatever you have, I'm not telling you that you're going to go out and start it up, drive to the first stop sign, and the engine's going to seize. That's not going to happen. What is going to happen is that a lot of these modern cars are made with such excellent machining and metallurgy that's put into their components that if they're properly lubricated and taken care of, you should expect to get a half a million miles out of that engine. But since we use that term properly lubricated, it's quite possible that there's very few cars out there that throughout the life of the car it gets properly lubricated. So what happens? It just gradually wears out. That's all. It's like if you took a um, a fingernail file and you could keep the file from wearing out and you just kept sliding it back and forth on the jail cell steel bar, somewhere within your life sentence, you would cut through the bar and walk out with nothing but a fingernail file because that gradual, gradual cut wear polish will eventually work its way through. So in your automobile, when your rings, which have to engage the sides of the cylinder, literally go up and down millions of times, it doesn't have to have much wear to eventually wear that ring down first, and then over time even score the cylinder walls. So when the ring begins to wear down and you get larger and larger clearance, you begin to get blow-by or you lose compression around the ring. And when you do that, you notice your car is sluggish and it doesn't run very well, and then over time it doesn't run very well at all, and you see a lot of smoke coming out the rear because of the oil that's getting past the rings And it is a situation where the car just wears out early. So a vehicle that would have been good for 20 years is gone in 10 or 12, and somebody's hauling it off on a tow truck because it doesn't run anymore. So you can easily take care of these vehicles using the right oil. But what you have to do is just do a little bit of interest in what's required. Look in your owner's manual. These owner's manuals, I know, I know, I'm as bad as anybody else. You drive the car for two years, and then you finally decide to check the owner's manual to see why you never could get the radio to work right. Okay? I know, I know. We're all guilty of this, but let me tell you what. They put an excellent section in every one of those owner's manuals on the correct lubricants for your car, and they'll give you the specifications. Now, here comes the rub. What do these specifications mean? I mean, you open up the the owner's manual, you look in there, and it says use an API uh, rated oil with the following classification, and the classification would be SM or SN or SL or SJ, one of these. And you say to yourself, "Wow, that's pretty cool." Wonder what that is. Then it says uh, that you've got to use an a viscosity of five W. 30, and then it gives you some temperature ranges where you might use a, a 0W20 or you might use a 5W40, depending upon these temperatures you're in. That looks pretty cool, but it's usually forgotten pretty well after you're done. And then you go into the local, um, let's just say you go into a quick lube, and you turn over the correct application and responsibility for your $30,000 car a high school dropout. I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing, and hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not picking on him, but what I'm saying is that you wouldn't do that with other things you have. If you had thirty thousand dollars and you're going to invest it, you wouldn't invest it by you know going down to the drugstore and and uh, sitting on the stool at the bar and seeing the first guy that came up and said I got a hot tip for you and giving thirty thousand dollars. You would pay attention. You'd say, well, I better make sure the guy that's going to take this money and invest it, maybe he should be licensed and he should be bonded and he should convince me that he knows what he's doing with investments. Well, for your car, the same process that you use in finance, it's called due diligence. Do the due diligence. Check things out. Know what what works and what doesn't work. And it's not that complicated. We'll have people say, oh, wow, I'll just have to get somebody to tell me it's too complicated. No, it's not. Anybody that really can take a few minutes and read, especially today with the Internet. The Internet's got, you could type into the Internet uh, oil viscosity, and your eyes would roll back and your brain would fry before you could even cover all the stuff that came up on the first page with all the references and the things it would tell you. So there's information. There's lots of information. So I'm going to tell you a couple things about what's set on that bottle and what you should look for and explain what those labelings are because that's really the, the trick to understanding this is if you pick up a bottle of oil and you look on the label and it gives you all this information that's required by law, what does that information mean? And I'll tell you, I've come to the conclusion, I, I saw where California now has decided to um, ban any oil they call obsolete classifications on the oil from the shelf. I understand that. I I think that's wrong because there are still cars out there that need some of those oils that have the absolute uh, classification on them. So apparently the person doing this at the Consumer Protection Agency in California doesn't know much about oil, but that wouldn't surprise me. It's probably a lawyer. But they probably should put the warnings on the quart of oil just like they do on a pack of cigarettes. And what it should say is, warning, this oil may not comply with your manufacturer's specifications. Put it in some red bold statement so that it would be a warning to you from that company is selling you this oil. But it's up to you to determine if it actually meets your car's specification. And how would you do that? That's what we're going to talk about After this break, because we're right up against a break. And when we come back, I'm going to go into what those classifications are and how you can match them up and make sure you're getting the right thing for your car. So we'll be back right after these messages. And welcome back to Car Time Radio. Dan Watson sitting in for Jay Zembauer tonight talking about lubrication. Now, I want to explain something to you. For just a minute about oil because this is kind of important and if there are ladies out there listening please listen I I have two daughters and the number of times that that they have been just taken advantage of well they're away from home my oldest daughter in Tallahassee horror story of dealing with mechanics Um, there are if you find yourself and I have some you find yourself a good, honest mechanic like Jay Zimbauer and a shop that will take care of you and do what they say they'll do and fix the stuff right and stand by it? Create a relationship with that shop because there are still shops out there and people out there that will just – how's the way to put this? We won't call it lie to you, but they will spin the facts in such a way that you end up spending more money, okay, and that's just a talent, I guess. But you have to be careful of that. Now, when it comes to oil, um, you can get all kinds of recommendations from people. Let me tell you something, okay? When it comes to real knowledge of lubrication, um, a lot of mechanics are like doctors. Uh, To a surgeon, the world is a knife, okay? Okay. He's going to cut something. I mean, he needs to operate on something. To a mechanic, the world is a wrench. He needs to turn it. Something needs to be broken loose. A bolt needs to be taken off. Something has to happen. i got to work on this thing, right? And in both cases, doctors should not be confused with nutritionists. Doctors don't typically know anything about nutrition. They, some, they don't even have to take a class in some medical schools on nutrition. So they don't know anything about nutrition. So if you want to learn about food and what you should eat and what you should not eat, you go to a nutritionist, dietitian, nutritionist. You pick the term. They study all this stuff. They spend all this time in chemistry and food chemistry and all the interactions and the proteins and everything that, and how it works in your body. They know their stuff. Now, you don't go to a nutritionist to set your broken leg. You go to the doctor to fix your leg. The problem you run into in the lubrication world is that you can become a certified mechanic and basically, in my opinion, only have to know that oil is not the same as gasoline, okay? If you can figure that out, you see two volumes. This is a volume of this liquid, volume of that liquid. Which one is gasoline, which one is oil? You pick the oil correct. Okay, that's the end of your oil training. Let's move on to the other uh, electronics and the engine, whatever it takes. What I'm telling you, it's not the fault of the mechanics, but there's very little required true lubrication theory and knowledge required in the mechanical world. So you will get all kinds of half information, misconstrued information, all kinds of stuff, okay? And so it's in your best interest to go back to your owner's manual and say okay now i got some specifications in here from general motors should i trust general motors well let's see general motors builds uh, i don't know 5 million cars in a year they put warranties on them and they specify the oil to go in and if they specify bad oil and it doesn't work out right they have about you know a billion dollars in warranty claims to pay and they go out of business okay so there's a good chance that not because general motors is particularly looking out for you General Motors looking out for General Motors, but they have to make sure they get the right oil in the car, because otherwise it's going to cost them a whole lot of money. So they don't do this on their own. What they do is they have lubrication engineers that get together and they specify the lubrication and what's going to be required and how it's going to work. Now the way that oil is manufactured by all the guys out there, you know, Texaco, Shell, Valvoline, whoever it is, Amsoil. Uh, specifications are written, but you know who writes those specifications? The original equipment manufacturers, GM, Toyota, Nissan, Porsche, Mercedes. These guys, they actually say um, the oil that you're going to put in this car has to be able to perform to the following test and meet these specifications, meet these testing requirements, right? They call out the test, not the oil company. So once the manufacturer has stipulated what kind of testing it takes to satisfy their engine requirements, they come out with a new code, okay? And you look on the bottle, and the current one, it'll say uh, API classification. And what you'll see there is it'll have a couple numbers, like SL, SM, and SN. Those will be like the last three, with SN being the very latest. What that means, S- is for service. Now, in our industry, we usually refer to that as spark. And the reason is is because it's for gasoline engines. S is for gasoline engines. They take a spark to have combustion. So in our simple mind, we just say S is for spark, when it really is for service. It's a service classification. Okay, But SN means for gasoline engines, this is the one that is the latest and greatest requirement of classification. You go look in your owner's manual, and if it says that you've got, your car requires, let's say, an SL-rated oil. Well, according to the standard, any oil that came succeeding that, which would be SM or SN, supersedes that requirement. So as long as it's got at least the SL or later rating, that would meet your car's requirement, okay? If you have a diesel, it's going to have a C instead of an S, now, they say that's for commercial. That's what they say in the in the books. But simpletons like us out in the field, we say, well, C, that's for compression ignition because diesels don't have a spark. So we say C for compression ignition diesels and S for spark ignition gas. And that's how we keep them separated. But if you look at, at these requirements, your owner's manual will say, what's your classification? What's your service classification for gasoline engine? And if it says that you have to use an SN rated engine oil, then That's what you should be looking for to put in your car. If it says you should use an SL, then you're going to use either SL, SM, or SN. But as these oils come out, they start to move the other classification off the table. You can't find it because they superseded. If you had a diesel engine and it said, well, you need to use CJ4 oil, well, that exceeds CI4. That's the latest one, CJ4. And according to... The requirements of the specification, the CJ-4, supersedes the previous ones. Okay, you're getting what I'm talking about. Now, when you look at the weight of oil, because that's what we're going to call it out here, we civilians, we're going to say the weight of oil. Well, in the industry, that's the viscosity or the thickness of the oil, okay? And molasses is very viscous and water is not so viscous, okay? So that's how you look at it. Now, the reason that's important important to you is as a lubrication Specialist, I can tell you the number one most important specification for oil in a lubricating system is the proper viscosity. That's just simple. Any lubrication specialist that's had any lubrication engineering training will tell you that's the number one first criteria. Get the right weight in the right situation. Now, so what does that mean to you? Well, it says if your car takes a 5W30, then you should look for five W thirty, right? But let me be clear here. The first number is not really the operational viscosity number, it's the cold weather pumpability number. So if your car calls for a five W thirty, you could use a zero W thirty, a five W thirty, or a ten W thirty, and you would get you meet you meet all the requirements. The difference is how cold is the climate you're living in. That's all that it matters. If you're living in Saskatchewan, you're looking for that zero W thirty. If you're living in Florida, you don't care. It could be a straight 30 for all practical purposes, but a 10W30, 5W30, even a 0W30 because that first number is measured at typically below zero. How well will that oil move? The second number is the what we call the operational viscosity. It's measured at 212 degrees. I don't care if you're in Saskatchewan, Alaska, or in Key West. That number is measured at 212 degrees, so it doesn't care where you are. It's measured at 212 degrees. So if your car calls for a 5W-30 and you live in Florida, you can run a 10W-30 or you can run a 0W-30. It really doesn't matter. That second number is your important number. Now, where do they come up with whether it's a 30-weight, a 20-weight, or a 40-weight in your engine? The manufacturer, the engineers, they specify the clearances in that engine. The clearances, how close the metal moving parts come to each other They also specify what's called the oil galleries. These are little tiny pinholes that allow the oil to come out on the crankshaft to go between the bearing faces on the connector rod bearings and the main bearings. Those are called oil galleries, little holes. You run too thick of oil, it can hardly get through those holes. So it it will starve the bearing for oil. What's that mean? Well, the bearing will run too hot, and over time it will wear out, and you'll hear this knocking noise, which is when you get too much clearance in the bearing. So you didn't help protect your car by running over thick oil. You wore out the bearing by running the thick oil instead of running the proper weight, okay? So these are the things that high-paid lubrication engineers and mechanical engineers, automotive engineers, figure out when they build these cars. And for my money, for me, I'm a lubrication specialist, and I am not going to challenge those guys that they didn't know what they were doing when they specified the lubrication, for that engine there's millions of dollars riding on that by the automotive company that has these guys work as a team to do this so i feel pretty sure they've taken into consideration what they can't take into consideration though folks is the quality of the oil that goes in that application so when we come back from the break i will talk about that a little bit of how quality really upsets this design system and how you've got to be sure to cover it up and have high quality so that you can meet the specs these guys are looking for. So we're going to take a break, pay some bills, and we'll be back right after these messages. Welcome back to Car Time Radio. Dan Watson sitting in for Jay Zimbauer tonight talking about oil and lubrication. I'm a certified lubrication specialist certified by the STLE. And I am not an ASE certified mechanic. So say those questions for Jay. He'll be glad to answer them. Now, when we took the break, we talked about the specifications called out for by different companies, manufacturers, and what they call for. And I'm pretty confident that uh, any of these major uh, equipment manufacturers are going to spend some money and make sure they get the right lubricant. Specified for their automobiles, trucks, tractors, over the road, diesels, whatever it is. But the problem is they're having in this arena is substandard oil. See, I can tell you that you have to run a certain tire on your Porsche. I can tell you on your, your, your Porsche high performance vehicle that you're going to have to run a set of, uh, high speed, high temperature, uh, Pirelli radials, okay? I can specify that for you. But you can go out and buy some trailer tires down at the, uh, you know, local uh, trailer store where they just make good bias ply trailer tires, and you can paint on the side of them high-performance radial and put them on there, but there's a good chance it's not going to work out. So what we have in the oil industry is we have a lot of people painting logos on the side of their trailer tires trying to claim that they're high-performance radials. And unfortunately, from the standpoint of the consumer, you have to understand that the American Petroleum Institute establishes the bare minimum spec. That's not the 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 top-of-the-line spec. That's almost like saying, hey, you got to weigh 150 pounds or you cannot be uh, in the big boy contest. But there's big boys in the big boy contest that weigh 472 pounds. But you made it. You're 151, so step in there and see if you can handle yourself, right? Just don't get hurt. So when we're talking about oil in the country right now, it's not talked about much except like people like me in the industry to tell you that we just have a calamity going on there. There's so much fraudulent oil floating around claiming to be one thing that it's not the different good States that have good consumer protection agencies are hammering them and putting them out of business and chasing them across the country. But this is the, the type of stuff that comes up anytime there's people who think that they can make some money today. If you buy synthetic engine oil, and I am a big proponent of synthetic engine oil. But please, please be careful. You can buy and pay good money for synthetic engine oil that turns out to be maybe not even as good as a as a decent quality petroleum oil. So be careful in that area. Now, I have dealt with for 25 years this company, Amsoil Synthetics, out of Superior, Wisconsin. And I'm convinced that the old man that, that started this company. It's got his name on it. Amsoil comes from Al Amatuzio is his name. And he was a fighter pilot. He's a retired uh, colonel. And there's nothing that's going to put his name on a bottle that's not the very best quart of oil that can come out. He's just, he's made his money. He doesn't care. It's going to either be high quality or it's not going. And I happen to have the uh availability and i can see the test and i can see the independent test and and i'm trained in this area so i can tell you it's extremely high quality stuff but even within the amsoil line of products confusion exists amsoil doesn't hide anything it's all on the internet it's all out there you can read all of what you want but amsoil makes three families of products they make what we would call the the baseline product, and that's called OE, or original equipment. That's what that stands for, OE oil. and Fine oil, change it somewhere around five or 6,000 miles, and it's a true synthetic, and that's what it's made for. Then they have a family that's in the middle, family of oils, called XL oils. Excellent oils, good for 10,000 miles. Uh, fine additive package. they got an additive pack of boost in them. They're made from 100% synthetic products. Then they come to the one that, that I really started using 25 years ago. I won't go away from it. I think it is the best automotive across-the-shelf oil you can buy, and that is the Amsoil Signature Series. And I call it Signature Series. It's got the old man's signature on the label. And it is no, there is no corner cut. It is made from the very best synthetic Components, these things have big names. They're called PAOs or polyalpha olefins and esters, and it's made with an incredibly robust additive package. Tremendous oil. Now, uh, there's some other oils that uh, mimic it and get a little bit close to it. If you go to uh, Mobile, and Mobile makes an oil called uh, Platinum Extended Life, and it's about as close as you get to a quart of AMSOIL, with the exception that there's no ester in it. Ester is a marvelous product. And so that that ester that is in the blend in the AMSOIL Signature Series, along with the PAOs, makes for a much stronger base stock. So anyway, that's getting into stuff you don't care about. But what I would tell you is that be careful. If you go out in any oil, whether it's petroleum or synthetic, what you want to do is buy something that you can trust. Now, there are names out there that have been around 100 years, and I, I'm not going to leave anybody out if I can help it or slight anybody or not, but companies like uh, Valvoline, Castor Oil, Chevron, Texico, Havoline Oil, Shell Oil, uh, Delo Oil, these guys, they're not going to make a substandard product and ruin their 100 years of reputation. But when you see the oil and it's, you know, Smoky Joe's and XYZ and Martian Elixir or whatever it happens to be, and you don't recognize that name, you go straight to the Internet and you begin to look. See what you can find out. Most cases you'll find out very little because they're just not going to reveal much information about their products if they're even on the Internet. Most are not. I've reported here before that um, in Indiana – and in Michigan and in Missouri, they have already gone to court and kicked some of these companies out of their state, literally threw them out for such things as going to the store and picking up five bottles of their product in a 5W20, a 5W30, a 10W30, a 10W40, and a 2050. And when they went back to test them, they found out that they were all the same oil. There's no difference. That Just the labels were different. And then the oil didn't even meet the first API spec, which was S.A. It had virtually no additives in it. Absolute junk. So in some states, like in Indiana, they just said, look, we think your company's worth about $15 million. We're going to fine you $30 million. Your choices are you can pay the fine or you can get out of the state. They got out of the state. So you, the consumer, protect yourself. Look at these things. Read the label on the oil bottle so that you can understand what it's telling you. When we come back from the break, I'm going to give you a couple of tips on when you see manufacturer specification numbers on the bottle and in some cases what that really means. So we'll take a break and have some messages, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Star Time Radio. Dan Watson sitting in for Jay Zenbauer tonight we're talking about oil. And when we went to the break, we're talking about that you have to protect yourself. And uh, I just have to emphasize that that you're the one that, in the end, will end up paying for substandard lubricants because uh, your car will probably make it well past its warranty before you run into any kind of problems. Okay. And um, then it's all yours. And if, if somebody puts some real junk in and, and you have some trouble, uh, it'll cost you money. And we talked a little bit about how such substandard oil was floating around in the marketplace. Well, I want to tell you, if you really want to give your car the proper protection and you buy a high-quality, real, true synthetic engine oil, you will take care of your car. Now, under most normal operating conditions, good petroleum oil its running along there without too much trouble, okay? But folks, today with thin oil, meaning 5W30 or 5W20 or 0W20 oils, that your manufacturer specifies for your car, if you're going to Look at those oils that you want to have the best margin of protection. Then I'm going to give you a little example here that you can understand and why you should go to a good quality synthetic engine oil. Let's take 20-weight oil. Real easy to understand. Oil is a liquid. When that oil is being used in your vehicle, it has what they call a normal operating band. For all practical purposes, you could say that's you. Let's say you're like a jogger. When you're jogging at, uh, you know, eight, well, let's say you're jogging at nine-minute miles, you're pretty comfortable. You're jogging along, not, not working too hard. That's your normal speed. Somebody comes along and says that there's a tsunami coming down the road, and uh, you're going to get run over by it, so you're going to have to start running seven-minute miles now, not your comfort zone. You're really struggling. You're huffing and puffing, and you're doing the best you can because you're out of your normal band, and pretty soon you're going to run out of gas and collapse, and probably the tsunami is going to run over the top of you, okay? Well, oil similarly has what they call a normal operating band. It's associated with temperature, and a 20-weight oil reaches the top of its normal operating band at about 230 degrees. This is for petroleum oil, Okay. That's just physics. We're not talking about that it's bad oil or anything else. We're talking about, hey, look, this is a lightweight hydrocarbon liquid. It gets to 230 degrees. It's no longer in its comfort zone. It's moving into what we call in the industry the intermediate operating area. What happens there? Well, it's subject to accelerated oxidation, meaning that it starts to form sludge and varnish. It's also subject to... Thermal viscosity breakdown, meaning that it may actually it sometimes lose its viscosity and its ability to keep those two pieces of metal separated with the oil film. So that's not good. But it will run there for a while. And just every once in a while there will be a little bit of a uh, microsecond of a you know increased wear, not something you'll see very much of. But it begins to create some sludge and varnish, and most of that will stick in your uh, oil filter, start to clog it up. Now, if you go to a 30-weight oil, it rises about uh, 30 degrees on average from that. So it'll take it up to about from uh, 235, let's say, to 265, 270 for a 30-weight oil. Okay, so that's pretty high temperature, right? What you're not looking at here is that today's thermostat temperature in a car is 205 degrees. It's there because of the EPA trying to do better with the exhaust. Emissions, and you run the car a little higher temperature, you get better efficiency, and you get less emissions. So they push the car up to 205 degrees water temperature. The oil in your engine runs under light load, about 30 degrees higher temperature than your water temperature. Under heavy load and severe conditions, it'll run 75 degrees hotter than your water temperature. So if I've got 205 degrees, and i got a 20-weight oil, And I'm running 30 degrees, just easy time. I'm running 30 degrees higher temperature with my oil. My oil's at 235. My oil's running right at the top of the normal operating band for 20-weight petroleum oil. Those are just physics. That's not anything by me or by the guy down the street. That's just read the physical charts. So what they have to do is figure out how to counter this. A lot of 20-weight oil in the marketplace is actually a higher refined oil that is, uh, you could say it's partially synthetic because the way it's done. So here's my point I'm making to you. If you were to go buy AMZOL Signature Series oil, you raise that 20-weight normal operating band to about 330 degrees. You're not going to get there. The intermittent operating range is 450 degrees. You're not going to get there. If you do, you have a fire. Run. Get out of the car. Run for safety. So what you're doing is buying margin to error, making sure that no matter what kind of conditions happen and how hard your car has to work and the severe conditions, all of a sudden you've got margin of safety. You've bought margin of safety by using this higher performance oil, and it can handle the high temperatures and the stresses and it doesn't bother it, okay? It's the same thing in your motorcycle oil, same thing in your diesel engine oils. When you go for that true synthetic, which that Signature Series style oil is, you have bought yourself insurance in a quart of oil to give you all kinds of temperature protection that you just don't have with the inferior oils. Now, that's my best tip to you is that if you do that, You will never have to worry about whether or not your engine has got the right oil or protected. It is overprotected with margin to safety beyond any other oil in the marketplace. So that's why I recommend that AMSOIL Signature Series oils, especially for the 20 weight and the 30 weight oils. So much extra protection that you just can't get in other applications. So that's my tip for you tonight before we sign off here is look for Amsoil Signature Series Oil. And by the way, check out Ace Hardware Stores here in Central Florida. I have been setting them up and getting them stocked up so that you can find Signature Series Amsoil all over Central Florida. So until next time, so long. Be safe. Keep rolling. Your main product spawner's nearly gone. Your injector ports are stripped, and that ain't all. Torque converters running low on the torque, and that water pump's nearly down a quarter. We caught it all in time, so you're in.